All right, when the sun sets, we reach for Fernet. Welcome back to Liquid Gold right here on We Own This Town Podcast Network, weownthistown.net. My name's Mike Wolf with you here today. Very special topic for today that we've been uh, putting off for way too long, and it's time to finally dive into Fernet. Um, We've got a lot of bartenders who listen to this show and people in the hospitality industry. I'm sure they know all about Fernet and Fernet Branca, but if you don't, you're going to hear Kenneth and I ramble today for quite a while about Fernet. We've got some uh, cocktail recipes at the end of the show using Fernet as well as some stuff throughout. And before we get into Fernet, um, much to Kenneth's dismay, I uh, I had to talk about the Gibson. I've been seeing it a lot. It's back. People are talking about it because of this uh, Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit. So we go over the Gibson for a while, and it's just kind of funny how um, how much Kenneth dislikes it and is kind of scarred from the people who uh, ordered it from him <laughs> over the years. So we get into that along with a recipe from Thomas Keller for his pickled pearl onions. That's really easy. Um, and then we shift into Fernet Talk and get into Fernets of America, a lot of interesting facts about what Fernet is and how special the Fernet Branca brand is and what makes it so unique. Um, Kenneth hypothesizes did Bill Cosby introduce Americans to Fernet, so we get into that a little bit. Kenneth's got his rules for Fernet and Coke, which is the kind of the national drink of Argentina. And also, he has a really cool Fernet champagne cocktail. Then we shift a little bit and talk about the minty offshoot from Fernet Branca, the Branca Menta. And we've got some cool ice cream drinks with that, which are just phenomenal. You can make these like dark grasshoppers for the holidays. And then booze news today, we talk about a Napa winery who has... uh, just been forced because their their crop became so smoky and they essentially had to uh, make lemonade as it were with with a bunch of the lemons that they were dealt with the wildfires and they turned their smoky uh, grapes into a smoky eau de vie so that's kind of cool we talk about that and then also paypal's completely epic and bonkers sounding cocktail mixology party that they're throwing and the Florida Files is back today as we talk about a golf cart crash involving Donald Trump. So tons to talk about today. As always, you can email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Send us some uh, holiday favorite traditions that you have, any drinking traditions especially. Send us, send us a note about that and we'll talk about, we're going to talk holiday drinks in just a couple weeks here before Christmas. And then we've got chocolate coming up next week that we're going to talk about. But email us uh, about your holiday traditions. We'd love to hear about them. And you can always find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. That's at liquidgold underscore pod. Shout out to Jess Matchin for our logo and Upright T-Rex for the music and producer Michael Eads. And now I'll turn it over to our conversation about Fernet and more. That's great. All right. I'm here with Mr. Kenneth Dedman. And uh, we have finally, at the end of, or near the, nearly the end of a bitter year, we're finally going to tackle Fernet on liquid gold. Not necessarily just Fernet Branca, but the style. 
the subcategory, and the bitter beast known as Frenet. Before we dive into it, we're going to tease you with it. Sorry. But uh, we can't quite dive into Frenet just yet. We got to talk, Kenneth, real quick about the Gibson cocktail. So I can't believe that we're actually in 2020 and somehow towards the end of the year, the Gibson cocktail, essentially a martini with pickled onions for the garnish, a gin martini with pickled onions. It's become part of the lexicon. It's coming back. It's become sort of a thing with a super popular Netflix show known, known as The Queen's Gambit about chess, and it has caused a mini chess boom across the country and across the world. But the Gibson cocktail is a big part of this show, and so we started to hear about people drinking the Gibson again. And I have to say that randomly, I had been reading short stories by John Cheever over the last you know few months, Got really into a few of his short story collections inspired by those stories. And the Gibson cocktail is a big part of a lot of those stories. It's it's a popular cocktail of the 50s and stuff. It's an old man weird cocktail. It's essentially, let's give a recipe. So two ounces of gin, just like in a martini. One ounce or a little bit less, say three quarters, say a half. However much you really like your dry vermouth of dry vermouth. You want to use the French dry vermouth, typically, unless you're going for a different take, you could use like Carpano Bianco. Might be nice. A dash of orange bitters would be lovely. Lemon bitters, possibly. Stir that up with plenty of ice in a mixing glass, and then you want to just let it sit there. After you've stirred and it's super cold, let it sit for about five to eight minutes. Pour that in a frosty martini glass, something that comes from the freezer, or uh, has been chilled, and then garnish it with pickled onions. And then you can use a little bit of that vinegary, salty, kind of umami brine that you get from the pickled onions. And I can't believe it's a cocktail that's come back into the lexicon all of a sudden, but we had to touch on that one real quick because I love that drink. I love pearl onions. They're a, they're a part of my Thanksgiving, usually, in the past few years. And so I can talk about that. But first, I want to say, Kenneth, any experience or love or hate for the Gibson cocktail? I hate the Gibson cocktail in every way, <laughs> shape, and form. I'm glad I brought it up. First of all, if you're a bartender <laughs> and you put bitters in a Gibson, what the fuck are you doing? Hurry up and get this jerk that ordered it out of here. They're 70 years old. Why are you going to call him a jerk? Because they're staring at me. And I want them to stop looking at me. If we were on the street, I would fucking well, if you ask put them bitters what the in it, they're going to think like, is. this is going to be worth the $14 you're about to charge me for. Okay, if you're going to put bitters in it, ask them if they want bitters and charge them an extra dollar for your time. So you don't like the Gibson drinkers? Not necessarily. You've had a bad experience with Gibson drinkers? Yeah, me and Kevin King had the ultimate experience with a Gibson drinker because... Uh, Do I need to call him and verify this story? Yeah, ask, ask him. You want to drag him into this? Dude, call him right now. Well, no, let's hear the story. Well, we'd had a couple of orders the week before, and uh, we kind of just prepared ourselves for more more orders of Gibson's. You know, like when something is trending like this, I'm I I don't I don't fucking watch this show. So like, thanks for letting me know so I can prepare. You're welcome. So we uh, we wanted to fancy it up, so we got pickled ramps from uh, Chef Brian Baxter, who's Jesus now Chef de cuisine at um, 
at Capard Seat here in Nashville. Pretty fancy for a guy who hates Gibsons. Are you just devoted to hospitality that much? Yeah. I'm impressed. I, I don't know. Like, what are you doing? You're you're calling you're saying it's lame, but you're like, then I went and got the pickled ramps. Like, that's kind of nice. Well I commend you for if that. If you're a company man, you gotta like you gotta take the drink that's trending and just make it your own and try to try to do well and you never succeed mm-hmm. you never succeed at that like uh yeah probably the drinks that i've always gotten the most complaints about are like dry martinis or not not dry uh dirty martinis because we started making our own fucking uh olive brine and it just wasn't as shitty as the regular olive brine out of the fucking jar but yeah it's trouble god damn it we were making so many dirty martinis we had to fucking like make our own olive brine because guess what like no matter how many olives you were giving out to people you were always out of olive brine so we're like okay huh. we'll just make our own like no one's ever happy no one's ever happy with your goddamn gibsons dude <laughs> wow so we okay so we mute, got mute your mic for a minute let me go into <laughs> so we got um, we got psyched on um being able to offer like pickled ramps Ramps are really fucking awesome. Like, they grow in the wild. No one really ever cultivates them. And it was an honor for the chef to give us a few. And everyone complained about them. And guess what? No fucking ramps for anybody. Like, Yeah, I wouldn't. So my thing with ramps, I would say they're so much stronger than pearl onions. That um, That's a dangerous game that you're playing. But let me just, let me just um, tell you. Because I feel like this goes to kind of what you're saying, the, the origins of the drink. This kind of plays into what you're saying. So the drink was created early 20th century thanks to the request of graphic artist Charles Dana Gibson, who asked for a new and improved version of the martini while visiting a social club in Manhattan. In response, perhaps sarcastically, perhaps, and this is me adding it, perhaps bitterly, perhaps Kenneth Lee, the bartender dropped in a cocktail onion instead of the usual more accepted garnish. Potentially, the Gibson was born. This is from the uh, Tatler, the Hong Kong Tatler. Yet another drink. Her name is Charmaine Mock, and she's got a really cool little piece about the Gibson. I thought it was great. Well done. So that's all it is. It's a martini with pickled onions. Kenneth, real quick, let me just give... this This is a fun little recipe. This is... Thomas Keller, who has an affinity for pickled pearl onions. He's got a really good recipe, foolproof. So 16 white pearl onions, which is about one cup. You trim the root ends and you score them with an X. And if you need assistance in peeling the pearl onions, just blanch them in boiled water, in boiling water for about a minute, and then you can slip them right off. Anyway, the 16 white pearl onions, about one cup, Half a cup of water, half a cup of red wine vinegar, half a cup of sugar, one and a half tablespoons of mustard seeds, half a teaspoon of coriander seeds, half a teaspoon of black peppercorns, and in a medium saucepan of the boiling salted water, you cook the... Oh, this is the blanching part. Okay. In a medium saucepan of boiling salted water, cook the pearl onions until just tender about eight minutes, drain, rinse under cold water, and drain again. Transfer the onions to a glass bowl. Meanwhile, in another medium saucepan, bring the water and vinegar to a boil with the sugar, mustard seeds, coriander seeds, and peppercorns. Boil that until the sugar is dissolved about two minutes. 
pour the liquid over the onions and refrigerate for at least one hour and up to two days drain before serving. Super easy recipe. This would be how you could make your own quick pickled pearl onions. That would be great for a Gibson. And then I think that you would find that would be just great on like a plate of homemade hash or homemade brunch food, eggs, omelets, chicken, roast chicken, um, steaks. There's so much you can do with pearl onions. I love them. Kenneth, are you doing all right over there? I guess that's all we got on the Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I made Kenneth sit through the Gibson. It's all right. If anyone's looking for uh, really good short stories, check out John Cheever. Somebody's always like dipping away and hiding into a bar in 1950s New York and grabbing a Gibson cocktail. Okay, let's get on to Fernet. So Fernet is something that has long been known as the bartender's handshake. It is essentially a bitter, an Italian bitter, but it's its own category of bitter. Because there's fernets made in Czechoslovakia, there's fernets made in Russia, fernets made in the United- South America, which we'll get into in a minute, and Mexico, and even in uh, the United States, as our friends from uh, Leopold Brothers and Leatherby. It's pretty insane if you think about it. There's like great fernets that are made in America. And what is a fernet? Well, we mentioned it was an Amaro, we mentioned it was a bitter. But essentially what makes a fernet a fernet is the ingredients, even though they're long-held secret, the ingredients that make a fernet the flavor profile that it is, a lot of times it is peppermint, saffron, rhubarb, angelica, chamomile, aloe, and then eucalyptus has long been speculated. You don't see eucalyptus in a lot of the official, like kind of unofficial official recipes, but you got to think it's in there. Everybody tastes eucalyptus strongly in Fernet. Anyway. Yeah, or Bay, whatever's accessible. Fernet is so fascinating as it was formulated back in Milan back in 1845 by a self-taught herbalist known as Bernardino Branca. Bernardino Branca. Marketed at, at first as a cure for cholera, stomach ache, and nervous disorders, it soon, uh, it soon gained popularity which led to the founding of the Fratelli Branca Distillery, which makes all kinds of different elixirs now. They really started a a revolution with this stuff, and it took years and years to take hold. By um, 1907, they started importing, exporting it to Argentina, and it became an explosion there. It became a, a huge success, and they have the only other Fernet distillery from uh, Fratelli Branca, that is, outside of Italy is in Buenos Aires. They, they uh, founded that, established it in 1925, so we'll be coming up on the 100-year anniversary of that. Kenneth, it's long been known as the bartender's handshake because it's what bartenders use to stay upright. And I've got a cool passage from an MFK Fisher book to read. Fernet, dude, we're finally here. What do you have to say? What's your favorite way to enjoy Fernet? favorite we're here we're drinking for net we're talking about it i guess going back to my childhood i was I, w- I was betrayed later in life by my love of uh of bill cosby i love the guy he was my favorite comedian ever and when i got really really into him when i was in fourth grade i had uh the fat albert album 
the comedy album that uh, he recorded it, uh, I believe, at the Harrah's Hotel in Reno, Nevada. Oh, it was hilarious. But he had a the closer of the show was about a 10 minute bit on uh, on on Fernet Branca. I had no idea really what liquor was at the time, fortunately. But his description of it stuck with me for years and years. Cosby's Fernet thing was 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 on a 1973 album called Fat Albert, where he talked about how when he was in Florence, Italy, Fernet Branca helped him recover because he uh, he ended up ordering without knowing, but then he eventually ate it. But he ordered barbecued sparrow, and he thought that was really unusual. Thought it was just a small chicken at first. Ended up it was sparrow, and uh, he needed a bunch of fernet that helped him digest. So that probably was, like you said, a lot of Americans' first, you know, sort of hearing about fernet bronca. Debatably, because at the time, I think he was living in San Francisco, and San Francisco has long been regarded as, or or New York, like whatever, whatever coast y'all want to claim, like regarded as the the capital of the the Fernet capital of the United States. The United States wants to have a Fernet capital, but they're not the Fernet capital. Buenos Aires is pretty much the Fernet capital of the world. Yeah, where they drink it with Coca-Cola. That's their most uh, popular way to drink it, just Fernet and Coke. We can give a recipe for that. Two ounces of Fernet, eight ounces cola over ice, maybe a little orange zest, maybe a little orange peel, orange slice, lemon slice. Lime would be nice too. Mike, there's actually five rules <laughs> to making a Fernet and Coke. You you start with ice, stir it in the bottom of the glass. Uh, you taught me how to... Just the ice? Yeah, just the ice to begin with. To uh-huh. chill the bottom, uh-huh. you can have a chilled mm-hmm. glass too. Save some time, but the layering of the ice is important. Yeah, you add for half of your fernet to begin with, then slowly pour your coke over over the over the ice to layer it. Then finish finish with fernet, so you have fernet on the top, also on the bottom. Nice. That's kind of lazy man's version, but still makes a lot of sense. You jostle it as you drink. I guess the idea, if it's hitting ice. The whole time, every liquid is hitting ice. It's that classic idea of having that heavy hit followed by your chaser and a wee mix and then a kaboom at the end. Love it. One thing we should mention about Argentinian Fernet, it's kind of a holy grail for a lot of bartenders and people here in America who haven't tasted that version. A lot of people have not tasted the Argentinian version. The word is that it's a little bit different. Then the version from Milan, which gets shipped over to the United States. So I think Fernet is really fascinating because it changes a little bit taste by taste or bottle by bottle. You feel like you taste more eucalyptus on one bottle than you do on another. But it's also, in a way, very consistent where I feel like Campari, we've noticed differences over the years. Some of the really good Italian vermouths, Cochi and Carpano. Koki more so. You've noticed a little bit of difference in their product over the years. Carpano less so. Fernet, I feel like, always has those same sort of big flavor profiles, even if the mint comes out in one version more than another. Fernet is just super aggressive and super intense, and that's why a lot of us love it and why a lot of foodies like it and why it can really help you 
digest after a big meal, it sort of throws your your body into shock a little bit. But um, do you prefer it in a cocktail or by itself? By itself. Uh, but I love it in a cocktail. We're gonna get with Jess on a few of the best known cocktails with it. I love the Manhattan Riff that adds a little bit for net. Absolutely love the Hanky Panky. I don't want to step on Hanky Panky too much because we're going to talk to Jess about it. But that's an amazing one. Um, but I prefer it just on its own. And I do love it, as we've talked about for years, out of the freezer. It's so good. It's so refreshing. And I love the kind of shock to the system that you get having it out of the freezer. What's your favorite way to have it? Probably my favorite ever is equal parts Lillet Rose or uh, Cookie Rose. Stir that in a glass till it's cold, straight to a champagne flute, top it with champagne or something sparkly. Pretty fancy. Yeah. it's For a guy who's a Gibson hater, that's kind of a nice little mid-century masterpiece. Yeah, it's a lot more elegant than a Gibson, like... It's like I'm not I mean I'm full bald all the time. I'm not half bald with silver hair combed back and slicked back coughing over oh you know how to make a Gibson. Hey What uh, you couldn't order the onions uh, from your distributor? I'm like You couldn't order the onions from your distributor? Yeah, your distributor <laughs> sucks. You don't have pickled onions. Because that's the thing when you're like, I'm sorry, I can't make a Gibson because I don't have onions. I don't have pickled onions because a lot of bars don't necessarily have it. Um, and that's where if it's like a 65-year-old and they just want their goddamn Gibson, if you don't have those onions, they're going to be pissed. A snack and a drink. All right, a few facts about Frenet Branca, the most widely known Frenet. The trademark bitterness comes from uh, four of its ingredients, the Chinese rhubarb, aloe vera. They use a bitter um, variety of aloe. Cincona. One of the main ingredients in tonic water and, and used in a lot of vermouths. And then also chocolate. And that's why I kind of want to mention how a lot of these episodes here for the end of the year here are all connected. So pearl onions, a big part of the Thanksgiving table. Chocolate, something we're going to cover next week. We're covering chocolate in all its forms. We've got some great hot chocolate recipes. Chocolate is a key ingredient of fernet, which is can be kind of masked by all those other ingredients. It has up to 27 different ingredients. One of the fascinating things, it was originally intended to be used as a remedy for cholera. And several of the ingredients were long thought to have medicinal properties. Cincona, gentian root, which is a natural antibacterial gentian root, the key bittering agent of so many Amaros, along with Angostura bitters, Campari. Dude. What have you. It's a natural antibacterial and uh, myrrh, you talk about you know the holidays, Christmas, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh's a big ingredient with uh, fernet, and that's where you get into like real nerdy territory. When you meet, if you meet someone from the Bronca family, and you're like, "What is the myrrh? How, where do you source the myrrh? How do you process the myrrh?" I have a lot of questions about the myrrh, which is considered to be really good for the stomach. And then aloe's a natural laxative, so. Make, make sure you listen to this episode after dinner. Um, the formula, here's another fascinating fact. The formula, which is a complete secret, has been for almost 200 years, 180 years, whatever it is. It's passed from father to son in the Bronca family. That's so Italian. Pass it from the father to the son. 
Its recipe is so closely guarded that while most flavor ingredients, flavoring ingredients of Fernet Branca are weighed by the director of the distilling plant, five of them are so secret they're weighed by the company chairman himself in a locked room with darkened windows, wood paneled walls, and light green light fixtures. That's important. And that's where they measure out these five they use key those ingredients. Hue bulbs. Those Phenomenal. Hue bulbs. You can get them on Amazon. They're pretty killer. Yeah, you got to have the right light bulbs when you're looking at the ingredients and you're measuring them out. And you can't have the windows, the shades have to be drawn. You can't have the windows open. This is intense, man. This is this is why this stuff is so special. Well, this guy just seems um, like he's just protected himself uh, from assassination, really. Like, you can't take over this guy. You can't blast him. Like, everyone be upset. Well, the guy who runs it now is yeah. a count, I believe. Count Bronca. Oh. Legend. Apparently drinks a little bit of Fernet and a little bit of Carpano Antica every day. Toasts to the earth, the moon, the sun, the stars. He's a phenomenal dude. One thing to mention about one of the key ingredients of Fernet Branca, they used to, now Now there's more people buying saffron around the world, but it used to be about, even as, as, as recently as 10 to 20 years ago, Fernet was buying up to 70% of the world's saffron. So they were a huge factor in the global trade of saffron to the point that em, former employee would rob Fernet distilleries both the one in italy and the one in argentina for the saffron itself and according to uh eduardo branca one of the main dudes with fernet these days he had mentioned how a few of the guys who broke into the distillery in argentina to steal the uh saffron later came to work for the distillery so you know all is forgiven over a glass of fernet work release that's the lesson work release program you got to go back it's and worth noting uh, Fernet Branca continues to actually use 20% of the world's saffron harvest. That's incredible. Another interesting fact that I've got about Fernet was you would have not thought that Fernet was produced in the United States at any point, but you would be wrong because a medicinal version that was brought about by Prohibition was produced in New York City beginning in 1934. Production continued until the late 1970s. The uh, The plant was at 131 Hudson Street, eventually moved to a larger bu- building in lower Manhattan. They produced a lower alcohol version of Fernet that I don't, I've never tried. I've never heard of anyone that has tried it. The only place in the whole country I would imagine you could try it would be Billy Sunday in Chicago. They have a bunch of vintage Fernets there that you can try that are all fascinating. Yeah, the United States produced a lower alcohol version and then there's the um mexican variety which a lot of people in nashville drink because it's at dino's shout out to dino's um they carry that valet uh fernet which is a mexican fernet which is delicious it's its own beast it's kind of more simple than the uh bronca than the than the fernet bronca but really good as well francisco have you ever had had that that's uh san francisco bay area fernet Dude, the uh, the Leopold brothers is probably my honestly like my favorite Fernet I ever had, and I that you got Incredible me a bottle stuff. for Christmas yes. one year, and I stretched it out. They use like three different types of um, of Mountain Mint. I 
feel like all fernets are aged. Most finer fernets are aged over like a year or so. They do. Yes, dude. Big point to bring up. Bring up real quick is I forgot to mention this earlier. Thank you for bringing it up. Fernet is the Italian, the Fernet Branca, one of the only Amaros that's aged for a year in a barrel, which is not not normal for a lot of those Italian yeah, beers. Le- but yes, Leopold yeah. Brothers phenomenal use, uh, Chardonnay barrels. Yeah, the the Leopold Brothers stuff is just incredible. The we've talked about on the show the espresso, like the uh, or the uh, French press coffee liqueur, which is amazing. Michigan tart cherry liqueur is phenomenal. They make a great gin. We're big fans. Their Fernet is is incredible. I agree with that. And then uh, Leatherby out of Chicago, they make a really nice Fernet as well. It's a fascinating thing to, uh, I guess you could say it tastes a little bit like a Christmas tree. If a Christmas tree was like soaked in Coca-Cola yeah, and lit on fire. Yeah, that's good. It's been a while since <laughs> I've tasted that. And I would say this is one of the more crowd-pleasing offshoots of the Fernet is the Bronca Menta, which tastes like Girl Scout, like Thin Mints, basically. In alcohol form, it's a very mint-forward and chocolate-forward version of Fernet. Bronca Menta, it's lower in alcohol. It is incredible in, like, blender ice cream drinks. Uh Oh, my God. It's basically unfair if you're going to do that. If you're going to do, like, vanilla ice cream, maybe a tad bit of whiskey, and Mm. Bronca Menta, it is insane. Because you're up in the sweetness if you're, like, making an ice cream drink with it. Bronca Mint is also amazing in coffee. It's incredible in hot chocolate, which we've got hot chocolate episode coming up. Um, but yes, you're right. Bronca Menta is a really it's like it's like the the crowd pleasing version. You know of the Fernet. legend uh, behind the creation of it. Uh, no. Yeah, that's like, why we're uh, here. Maria, the opera singer, singer Maria Kalis. Um, if you've ever played Grand Theft Auto uh, Part Three, you know her voice. She would drink uh, uh, Fernet Branca with a splash of, like a heavy splash of creme de menthe or with muddled mint and a little, sh- like a sh- sugar cube. And she popularized, mm. she popularized Legend. this like more approachable way to drink Fernet Branca and their, they heard about it and they were upset because they wanted to make it they wanted you to drink it i guess that was the legend just just drink it as it is and if they felt like people enjoyed that flavor but felt like it was a little too intense then they folded and then they made bronca menta this is in the 60s in the 1960s they made bronca menta which was for those folks and it's based on pretty much the same recipe it's a lower alcohol profile a little bit more do you th- i think it's a little bit more syrupy like a little bit more sugar yeah so the mint sweeter so for the sure. mint um if it if it can stay on your tongue with that alcohol then it's going to stay on your tongue for a while so the mint really fucking hits you like a like a mint leaf hits you <laughs> Yeah, just right in the face. I mean, I have been in bar situations where we had a blender. And if you happen to have a blender and any ice cream around, you could make the most incredible like thin mint style blender drinks with it that people would be like, what is that? What is in here? This is totally nuts. 
I've never tried anything like this. And it's Bronca Menta, as long as, you know, it's great on its own, but if you want to make, like, if you want to turn people onto it, try, like, grasshopper variations where you've got ice cream, Bronca Menta, maybe some creme de menthe. Really all you need is Bronca Menta, a tad bit of whiskey, and some ice cream. You have an amazing I was thinking, like, uh, Bronca Menta toddy, maybe, like, like a black tea. Oh, yeah. Add Bronca Menta and smoke a joint. Nice pairing. Parapalooza. <laughs> Monday night football. Beautiful. All right. Well, it's finally back. The time has come for. Got human to get it now. Booze News with Kenneth Dedman. It's the holidays. Is anyone else alone all the time? I am. Reading news. I am all the time. What do you got for us this week? Kenneth Dedman, it's the pre-holiday because we've got a few more holiday episodes left, but it's a pre-holiday version. Booze news. What's booze worthy out there in the world? We're going to check back into Napa, Mike. California. Oh. Devastated. California is fucking Tough devastated. Year. Everyone in the south is leaving. Everyone up north is still getting smoked just like uh, a lot of shitty harvests in uh, france napa valley is turning to distilling their tainted grapes into a smoky eau de vie which is gonna make yeah oh that's I, cool as a bartender every once in a while someone says i want a smoky drink and it's like i would like to reach for Hoops Vineyards, Udavi, coming out around this time next year. Yeah. Family winery owned by uh, Lindsay Hoops, trying to pick up, pick herself up, pick pick the farm up from the bootstraps. Apparently, her crop was oversmoked and none of it is used. They they made kind of a nouveau and it tasted like an ashtray. So the rest of their crop is going um, straight to a local distillery. They're tossing around names, but it looks like they're going to call their Uda V Mother Nature. Lots of luck to you. Holy shit, man. It's really, really bad out there for the California wine industry. Well, kudos to them for at least trying to do something cool and interesting because I I think that's got some some legs to it. I I feel like people... I was always surprised at the amount of people that would come into a bar and say, I want something smoky. You know, it's, it's I mean, an, I don't know if, I don't know. Sometimes I think it, I always expected folks to be going for like scotch or certain, you know, like certain other avenues. Smoky cocktails, it, I feel like it led to like uh, this weird good and bad thing where folks were smoking every cocktail or maybe smoking stuff too much. To give them a little bit of a leg up. I think we could say maybe there there aren't always like all the tools to make that happen because you got to do like a smoking plank where you're smoking a small piece of wood and setting a glass over it, smoking the glass, filling the glass with smoke, pouring a cocktail in it. Or you have an ingredient that you've smoked yourself and turned that into a syrup or something like that. Let's give these folks some props because maybe... They can make it easier for bartenders where they can just reach for a product and be like, I don't have to like, oh shit, 
I, I either don't have mezcal or I don't have a smoky enough mezcal. Not right here, right now. Not in the state of the restaurant industry. Yeah. Maybe this is the perfect product. Like, yeah. I hope this. I hope this works. I like this. This story. I'm totally down to turn it into some margs, and even use it with mezcal. Hey, let's get a vegetal, earthy, you know, vibrant mezcal and blend it with this stuff. And like, let's make. Uh, yeah. Let's make harmony. Yeah. Yeah. What else is booze worthy uh, out there? Uh, Mike. You may have heard this week we are continuing to power through a global, a global pandemic. PayPal would like you to know that they have a, uh, their global company-wide holiday party will be a 29-hour virtual party. Holy shit. It's insane. It's a hell of a party. It is insane. 29 hours. Can you believe that? It's called Altogether Gathering, a PayPal December to Remember. It will include. It will stop going. Let's all die because we partied for twenty nine hours. Apply for a job. <laughs> Just like letting them use my email for all the shady shit they do. The party will start with circus performers, cultural art workshops. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a surprise headliner. Who knows? Mm. It's like Burning Man, but there's no burning. Yeah, it's just and there's like no watching man. YouTube, but it's on your company computer. <laughs> uh, they're going to have cooking classes, singing competitions, illusionist performances, company, company-wide dance-off. Wow. Look out, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> You're like the hype man for it. It's <laughs> the only way I want to party with people now. They're going to send this around to the company. Like, you better fucking be there. Liquid Gold covered it. You better be there, bitches. Uh, so a software, uh, accounts payable software provider called Tapalti is sending out mixology kits for all employees to make cocktails at the same time oh. during during their oh, company damn. party. Yeah. Which is okay, fucking I see where you're actually, going. actually yeah. retarded. Love because this. Because I would immediately like be like, I didn't get it. Will you send another? I didn't get it. Did you send another? Unless they time it right to where like your mixology kit lands the day of the party. Everyone's just going to be like just tuning. <laughs> Not even at the party. Just, like I like I like a narrative where you're the new employee. And you're like, I just started. I haven't got the kit yet. They're like, pretty sure we sent it to you. FedEx has a, a tracking device on it. It's in your apartment. You're like, nah, it's no, not I, here, dude. I didn't get it. And they're like, what? when did you when did you start here? And you're like, I started last week. I, I mean, this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last week. I, I was hired last week and I started this week. Is there like nap time included in this party? Or are you supposed to just party all the what? way through? This is a different party. Incredible. Oh, man. Mike, it's been a while in business. I've heard a rumor that uh, there's something from Some the Florida Some folks say you files. go south, and in the south we call it farther south. The farther south. The swamp. The gulf. The beach. <laughs> from the villages in Florida, a man was involved in a DUI golf cart crash claiming President Trump drove him to drink. Wow. Understatement of the year. Carrie Devan said he hit a wall inside a golf cart tunnel uh while driving home he had a red he, a wall, he had a right? red golf cart uh he appeared to have broken his axle uh deputies believe he ran over a concrete curb uh divan Damn. was slurring his words smelled of alcohol 
deputies questioned him about the crash. He was not injured. No property was damaged during the crash. Devan claimed uh, he was watching Trump speaking on television. Then he got really mad. He started drinking vodka, drove his golf cart home. Man. That's amazing. It's hard to wreck a golf cart, you know? It is hard. It's, like, easy to make a slight mistake and, like, turn into something, but... Yeah, the... It's hard well, to no, wreck. like they're they're pretty heavy, top heavy, and those tires are small. Yeah, like like you're saying, like uh, honestly, they're yeah, but they only go like twenty miles an yes, hour. Yes, but what I'm saying, dude, is no one's got like really good wheels on their golf carts. Everyone sticks to those really small wheels, like those eight inch motherfuckers. Like you know, bump it up to like twelve or thirteen, see what happens. Like. <laughs> fuck y'all are ri- if you're if you're living somewhere that you're driving around in a golf cart comfortably enough to wreck like get some fucking larger wheels on there words of wisdom amazing business anything else um, today no no do you want to talk about pence or something no i don't have any pence oh that thing i sent you i want to talk to you about that off mic thank you so much We've got holiday drinks coming up. All right, thanks to Kenneth for an enlightening booze news as always. And uh, we were not able to get Jess on the phone. She got called into work out there in Charleston, but uh, she was going to give some of her favorite Fernet cocktails. The Hanky Panky is an amazing Fernet drink, so let me give you a recipe for that. You could do one and a half ounces of gin, uh, one and a half ounces of sweet vermouth, and like a quarter ounce or a little bit less, maybe even a bar spoon, eighth an ounce or so, of Fernet. So it's sort of like a Martinez variation where Fernet takes the place of the really sweet Luxardo Maraschino liqueur. This drink is one of the more noteworthy drinks of that time period, uh, 20s and 30s, because it was uh, attributed to a really legendary female bartender, And there weren't a lot of recipes coming out from female bartenders at that time. This was Ada Coleman in London, a fantastic bartender by all accounts. And this this drink was something she was making in the back bar at uh, the establishment that she was running. And when someone tried it, they said, well, that's the real hanky-panky. And so that's uh, that's the name, the hanky-panky. Beautiful drink. And... Anyone who likes classic cocktails, I feel like, will really like that drink. Um, then another one, let's give a recipe for another great drink using Fernet, the Toronto, which um, it being kind of a Canadian drink, or at least named uh, by a big city in Canada, a lot of people want to use Canadian rye. I think that was the original incarnation of the drink was uh, Canadian rye, simple syrup, and Fernet. But most people these days, if you want to make a really good Toronto, you want to use Kentucky rye or a really good American rye. Um, C- Canadian ryes don't have the they don't have the laws that we have here, where a Canadian rye can only, can can have you know as little as ten percent rye. Whereas to be an American rye, you need at least over fifty percent rye. And many of the ryes here in America are straight ryes, a hundred percent rye. Um, so. I would uh, definitely suggest you use a Kentucky rye or an American straight rye whiskey and maple syrup to sweeten it. 
and with the Fernet, and that is just phenomenal. So let's say you do two ounces of rye whiskey, a quarter ounce of maple syrup, maybe one dash of Angostura, and then I'd say a quarter to a half ounce of Fernet Branca. Okay, my dog's my dog's getting angry by somebody walking by. So you could do about a quarter ounce of Fernet. And you could do a little bit less. You could do a little bit more if you really like Fernet, if you want it to come through. But I think the idea is that it's almost like an old-fashioned Manhattan hybrid where you have the rye whiskey coming through quite a bit. And then you have these bold flavors, both a bitter and a sweetener, sort of meeting in the middle. And just a really bold and incredible drink. So check out the Toronto. And then the other one I wanted to tell you about, which is a Manhattan variation that I just love. Let me see if I can pronounce it here. Yeah, so this drink's called the Fanciuli Manhattan, or just the Fanciuli. And it was named after Francesco Fanciuli, who uh, was given the unenviable task of succeeding John Philip Sousa as the leader of the United States Marine Band after he refused an officer's request to play a tune. Fanchuli was arrested for insubordination, but uh, it's okay because he later had a cocktail named after him. Um, a lot of people don't know about the origins of this drink, where it came from. Uh, the recipe was dug up from Philip Green, who's a Washington-based cocktail historian. And this is a um, super simple drink, So, if, uh, and if you're going to make this one, I would highly recommend Italian sweet vermouth like Carpano Antica would be great to hold up to the big flavors of Fernet. But let's say you do two ounces of bourbon or rye, three quarter ounce to an ounce of sweet vermouth, and a quarter ounce of Fernet Branca. And I wouldn't use Angostura for this one because I just feel like these flavors will be so harmonious together. You don't need any bitters. You've already got the Fernet in there as the bitter. But that's one of my favorite Fernet Branca cocktails. So check that one out. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate everybody uh, checking out the podcast and sharing it with your friends. Thanks to Michael Eads at We Own This Town, the We Own This Town Podcast Network, Upright T-Rex for the tunes, Jess Matchin for the logo, and for my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman and cocktail correspondent, Jessica Backus. My name's Mike Wolf, and we'll see you next time on Liquid Gold.